welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. We want to address all of the noise that is going on in all of our heads. This is one truth that you need to know. We're all in this together. And many of us being out of the regular rhythm of the life that we are accustomed to and cut off from many of the relationships we're used to being around, we're left with all of this negative noise amplified in our heads. And and let me tell you something, mental fatigue is real. And, And many of you this season have been living in this constant state of angst with all the uncertainties and unrest in the culture that we live in. And in July, I just went to prayer and I said, God, you have to speak to me as the leader of this church. I need to know how to direct us. I need to know how to lead this church and what what you're calling us to do. And that's when God spoke so clearly to my heart. And he said, I want you to do a round two of 21 days of prayer. Because we did a first round in February. And I will tell you, it was life-changing for me personally And I believe it was also life-changing for us as a community. Like there were so many God stories that came out of that first 21 days. And as soon as that 21 days was over, the shelter-in-place directive went in place. And the momentum that so many people had in their prayer life just kind of seemed to come to a halt. And these last five months have been very difficult for many of you that are sitting here this morning. Some of you have been in some dark spaces in the last five months. I was reading this whole research guy that that studied the effects that COVID and the shelter in place has had on the church. You know, a lot of churches haven't met in person. We're like one of the only churches in the area that have been meeting since May. And what this researcher did or what he discovered was that in the last five months, one in four people involved in an active relationship with God have withdrawn or disengaged from their faith altogether. One in four people. And I, I completely believe that this is a true statistic because I'm fielding phone calls and I'm fielding text messages from people that have been in my life for a long time. People that I would look at as a very strong believer, somebody that is all about Jesus, and they've confessed to me that some demons that they thought they had conquered years ago have flared back up in their lives for the first time in a long, long time. People have confessed to me that they're struggling with depression that have never struggled with depression in their life. Substance abuse is escalating. Depression and suicide is increasing. Marriages and families are eroding. Like, this is a serious discussion that we need to have. 
Because here's what I believe God is speaking to us as a church community and what God is speaking to us personally. That if something doesn't shift in the quality of our prayer life, this season is going to bring a lot of misery and heartache into your life. But God has given us an option to live above the noise. That we don't have to be like the rest of the world that is just sinking in all of this misery and depression and hopelessness. That, that we are, the church is the hope of the world. Why? Because God is greater than the trouble. And even though the trouble is great, God is greater than the trouble. And we're going to discover that as we learn how to ramp up our prayer life. I told you last week that I believe this series is gonna jumpstart your heart again. Some of you that have been feeling a lot of weariness in your faith, you've been feeling that disengagement with your faith, I believe that this whole series is gonna breathe life back into your spiritual life and in your faith, and it's gonna rise you above all of the turbulence that you've been feeling. I really do believe that MC Hammer was prophetic in 1990 when he said we've got to pray just to make it today we've got to pray pray how many remember that song all right i'm gonna bring back those pants all right but this is what i say prayer is essential business not just for your faith it's essential business for your life and and I want to pray because I believe that Luke 11 is going to speak into this space and help you have a quality prayer life that you may have never experienced in your faith before. So pray with me. Father, I just thank you for this time in your word. Use it to transform us, to restart our hearts and engage our faith, to help us to live above the noise and the turbulence that is all around us with the uncertainty and the unrest of our culture, God, I pray that you would meet us here and let us experience the peace that only you can bring in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, in Luke 11, one of the disciples, as we talked about last week, he had this question for Jesus. He said, we want you to teach us how to pray. Now, being a disciple of Jesus, they were very much familiar with prayer. Many of them were from a Jewish background. They had memorized prayers from being little kids. So it wasn't that they didn't know how to pray. They just didn't know how to pray like Jesus. And so they connected the dots. They said, there's something about the way Jesus prays that makes or causes things to change, miracles to take place people to experience heaven. In Luke 5, you kind of read about their understanding of, of Jesus. It says in verse 15, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their disease. But Jesus, here it is, often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So even though he was super popular and everybody was coming to him, he always made time to get away from everybody, get to a quiet place, and to pray. And the Lord's Prayer that we read about in Luke 11 is branded the Lord's Prayer. 
is all about learning to pray like Jesus. This isn't a prayer that was meant to be recited, to like be memorized. And I know a lot of you have memorized it because of the, the different faith backgrounds that you come from. And there's nothing wrong with memorizing the Lord's Prayer. But the power in the prayer isn't in the memorization of the words. It's more in the subject lines of the prayer itself. So I, I like to look at the Lord's Prayer as, as more of bullet points and an outline. And Jesus is saying, every time you circle up with God, these are the bullet points. These, these are the elements that you need to circle and you need to, to kind of lean into. And that's where the power is going to come from. And the first one that we looked at last week, we, we had relationship. And this week, we want to look at the second element or the second bullet point in the outline. And that is partnership, that there is a partnership that God wants to have with us, and it's only going to be found in our prayer life. Some of you can remember this maybe in high school or middle school. How many ever got a necklace? I don't know if you can see the screens with a best friend. So they had part of the necklace and you had the other. How many had one of those growing up? You, you got one, you know, best friends, best friends. And they had one side and you had the other side. And then you always kind of remembered them as you wore that necklace. And then you would get together and you put them together and you're like, best friends. And, and you celebrated. There was a partnership in the friendship. And prayer is God's partnership with us. And what we're going to read in this next directive that Jesus gives us is God's whole idea of why He's decided to let us in in this partnership because, see, some of you are, are very phil philosophical in how you think about life. How, how many would brand yourself as a philosopher, like an internal philosopher, you know, besides Pastor Phil, all right? So, so you, you know, there's this insight where, where you're just kind of trying to reason out, like, like that some of you, I could read your minds right now, saying, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he's ever-present, then why does he need us to pray in order for things to take place? And my short answer to this is he is wanting to have a joint venture with his creation. The creator is wanting to join forces with his creation. And what better way to do that than in prayer? And we know this is the system that God put in place. He didn't have to do this. In his all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present being that he is, he could have just decreed stuff, boom. We don't need to pray over it. Everything's in its place. But he says, that's not the system I'm going to create. And we know the system that he created is all about prayer because you read about this throughout the Old Testament as you read story after story where the people would get off track with God. And then all of a sudden they would leave the covering of God and literally all hell would start breaking loose in their life. And they did the same thing many of us do in our lives. When everything starts going wrong, they use prayer as a last resort. By the way, remember this whole mantra is prayer is our first response, not our last resort. But check this out. In the grace and the loving kindness of God, even when prayer was their last resort, God always intervened at the cries of his people. And I want to tell you, I don't know what kind of spiritual condition you're in, 
but you're never too far removed from God that he doesn't hear the cry of your heart wanting more of God in your life. That's a word for somebody this morning. You're never too far from God. You've never blown it too much against God. He loves you, and he hears the cries of your heart. And this is the narrative throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus picks up right where this Old Testament kind of way of of doing relationship with God leaves off. And he says to the people, like, hey, if you want to move in a new level with your life, then the only way you're going to do this is talking to God and partnering with God. And this is what we see demonstrated time and time again. John Wesley, the famous theologian and evangelist and start of a few movements and denominations today, he said this, God does nothing in the affairs of men except in the response to prayer. I like what one author said this week when I was reading about prayer. He says, without him we can't, without us he won't. Can I say that one more time? Without him we can't, without us he won't. It's not that prayer is a secret formula or magic spell. It's that there is a real and living God who responds to our asking and he shows up. When he shows up, supernatural things take place in our life. Here's how I like to define prayer. Prayer is an active process of joining the plans of God in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. It's a partnership. In verse 2 and 3, this is where we're going this morning. And he said to them, this is Jesus describing prayer. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. That's the relationship. We talked about that last week. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. So in this, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. This is the partnership. God is saying, we're going to partner together. And the first part of the partnership is you're going to be involved in my stuff. This is my kingdom. And the second part is I'm going to be involved in your stuff. But notice what happens. It's God's stuff before our stuff. I like how Matthew chapter 6 reads it. A little bit different. It adds a little sentence here, and I think it's important. Your kingdom come, Matthew 6 verse 10, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's one word in those two sentences that really stick out to me, and it's the word your, not mine. Like there's an intention on the word your. And the reason I need to circle this is we're living in a me first culture where everything revolves around us and what we want to do and what's going on in our life. And God says, whoa, 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 time out. In the partnership, the great partnership and the cosmic partnership I have with my creation, the first order of business is not me to take care of your stuff. It's for you to join me in taking care of my stuff. This is, this is what I call submitting to the kingdom of God. In this first order of partnership, God's saying it's important for you to submit to my kingdom, to to allow my will to be done. So what is God's will? Romans 12, 1 and 2, it really sets it up. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you're taking notes, write down living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is God's will? For you to be a living sacrifice. How easy is it for you to take instructions from other people? Come on, let's be real. Some of you, there's a reason you work for yourself. 
You're like, I tried working for other people. They would try to tell me what to do, and they make me mad. I didn't like submitting to anybody. I'm my own boss. Some of you, let's be honest, a lot of your marriage conflict is the spouse gets involved and starts talking to you about maybe changes that need to be made in your life, and instead of accepting it and, and embracing it, you get mad at them. Why? Because you don't like to be told what to do. You don't like to take instruction from other people. Do you have a teachable spirit? Because here's what I want to circle about this idea. If you have a problem taking instruction from other human beings, I find it very difficult that you're going to find it very easy to take instructions from your God. But this idea is your kingdom come. What you're doing, you're positioning yourself to submit, to say, it's God's kingdom over my kingdom. You have a kingdom. All the stuff that you want to do, all the things that you want to accomplish, that's your kingdom. The kingdom of you. But the kingdom of God is not centered around you. It's centered around God. See, the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling down from the altar. That's the problem. Like one day you're like, God, it's all about your kingdom. Well, you go to bed and you wake up the next day. It's like, man, I got a lot to do. There's things I want to get done and dreams I want to accomplish. God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember yesterday? Yeah, yeah, that was yesterday. Today's today. This is a daily prayer, and you're a living sacrifice. That means it's easy for you to crawl down from the altar that you were just on yesterday. It's a daily process that you have to get up on the altar and say, God, I'm surrendering, and I'm submitting. Instead of my will to be done, let your will be done. This is how I like to say it. Lord, help me live in such a way that my life is totally about your kingdom today. It's not about what I want. It's not about my opinions. It's not about what I believe everyone should do with wearing masks. <laughs> this is about God's will and his will to be done. And one word to describe your will to be done in my mind is the word others. Write that word down, others, others. Because people are what matter most to God. What's God's will? For you to be a living sacrifice, giving yourself over to the will of God, and God's will is always centered around people because that's what matters most to God. His will is that no one should perish and that for all to experience eternal life, everlasting life. So a big part of saying your kingdom come, let your will be done, is making your life about other people and helping really accomplish God's will on earth as it is in heaven. This is where in prayer... Then we, when we, before we go to God with our laundry list or a shopping list or whatever you call it and all the things that you have to take place, then God's saying, hey, pray for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so his will is about other people. And so there's other people that God has strategically placed around your life. They're family members, they're neighbors, they're coworkers, they're, they're people that you shop you know, at Target next to, there are people that you pump gas next to. There are people that strategically come into your path and God is saying, I want you to be concerned about them in the same way that I'm concerned about them. And so that, now your prayer life is like, Lord, put people on my heart that you know are struggling today, that you know that are in dark places today. Right now, let's do an experiment, okay? Are you guys with me on this, all right? So, so I'm gonna do it anyway. So, <laughs> so, so I just want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to pray this simple prayer. And then if you have something to write with, I, I, or just make a little note in your, your phone, I'm going to ask God to put three people on your heart supernaturally. And what I want you to do with those three names is I want you to pray for them. 
And then as God directs you how to, how to help them, maybe you're supposed to text them a verse. Maybe you're supposed to tell, text them or call them and say, I'm thinking about you. How can I help you? Or maybe you're supposed to really genuinely help them to do something. So let's pray. Father, God, I simply pray this. Supernaturally lay three people on our heart right now. People that, God, we may have no idea that are struggling today. People that are just maybe in a very, very dark place. Or maybe somebody that just needs a little extra dose of encouragement. Supernaturally, put their name, put their face on our mind right now. In Jesus' name, amen. How many saw a name or saw a face like as you just like prayed that prayer? Have me raise your hand. Okay. All right, so write those down. And I believe you're going to have a God story from this. I really do. You're going to follow through with this, and you're going to come back to me and say, that was so cool. But see, when you pray this way, your, your kingdom come, your will be done, then, then you are sent off in your morning as like a conduit of heaven. You're, you're a conduit of he- to bring heaven down to earth. And, and as God prompts your heart, as you see another person, you step out in faith. I mean, I have three God stories this week where God supernaturally told me to step out and do something. And the one that sticks out to my mind the most is this guy that was outside of Sharky's. I was meeting with a friend for lunch. And after the lunch was over, I went inside to grab my wife an iced tea. And they were out of iced tea. But when I was in there, I, I had seen this homeless guy that was kind of in the area pushing a shopping cart. And I heard the worker say, I should have offered him a burrito or something. And then the lady came and said, hey, I don't have any iced tea for your wife. I'm like, oh, bummer. But I do want to buy a burrito. And they're like, oh, okay. I go, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I heard you divinely that I'm supposed to get him a burrito. So they fixed me up a burrito. I paid for it. got him a soda and a water. And then, of course, you know, it's a big shopping center in Camarillo. So I'm praying. I'm like, God, show me where this guy is. And I went. And I couldn't find this guy. And I said, Lord, show me where he is. And then I saw him parked in front of Ross. And so I went up to him and I go, were you just in front of Sharky's? He goes, yeah, I was. And he was eating a can of beans. Like he had just opened it up and was just eating like a can of beans. And he was homeless and he was trying to go somewhere and, and uh, trying to find a bus. And so I gave him a burrito and I said, God, put this on my heart, man, that don't think you don't matter to people. Don't think that, that you don't matter to God because he saw you. And then I saw you, and then he put you on my heart, and here I am, and I just want to show you God's love in a practical way, and nothing says God loves you more than a burrito from Sharky's, all right? So bon appetit. Okay, and I don't say, I don't say that to be braggadocious about this. I just want to use myself as an example to say there are opportunities everywhere, and when you are praying a prayer like this saying God's will be done, then you are more mindful about others than you are if you don't spend any time in prayer. And here's, here's the cool part, is when we get involved in God's business, God says, I will take care of your business. Luke 12, 31. He will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. There's things in your life you genuinely need. You're like, oh God, I just need this. I'm frustrated. I don't know how we're going to make it. And God says, if you want me to come and help you, then first help my kingdom out. And by helping my kingdom out, I'm going to be there to help you out. This is what I call God's boomerang effect. Check this out. Proverbs 11:25. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So some of you are right now depleted and you're discouraged 
God's remedy for you, God's antidote for you, is to actually be used by him and go encourage somebody else. And there's a boomerang effect that God's kingdom wants to unleash on you. And your encouragement is going to be found in you encouraging somebody else. Can you receive that? So I don't feel like encouraging somebody. Well, then don't expect to be encouraged yourself. Because that's God's principle. And that's what we find in praying your kingdom come. Here's the second part. And that is give each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Whereas the first part of the partnership is we're going to move for God. This part of the partnership of God is God is going to move for us. And what, what this shows us is this is our vow. Write this word down. Dependency. Dependency. Now more than likely... I don't know all of you, but I know many of you. More than likely, you didn't wake up today actually praying this prayer saying, I don't know where I'm going to eat today, God, so provide me a meal. More than likely, you have enough food at home that even if you had to eat Top Ramen for breakfast, you have food. So, so this prayer isn't necessarily a prayer like, I need food but see, this comes from a principle in the Old Testament when the children of Israel really had no food. They were in the wilderness, they were in a desert place, and they needed God to move for them in order for them to survive. And God rained down this food, and it was called manna. And manna literally is translated, what is this? <laughs> it's like, what is this? I don't know, let's eat it. Like, you know, what we did in kindergarten, you know, as kindergartners, eat the pace. Like, what is this? But they, they ate it, and it was good. But God provided for the Israelites in a supernatural way. And God wants us to make a proclamation that even though we may have enough food on the table to eat, that we are still dependent on him. Because here's the problem as Americans that a lot of third world nations don't struggle with. We struggle with the sin of self-sufficiency. We don't need God to show up from day to day. We need God to show up from crisis to crisis. And if we were actually showing up and depending on God from day to day, let me tell you a word from God, there would be a lot less crisis in your life. That's a word for somebody. If you're tired of the crisis, much of the crisis is not caused by external circumstances. It's caused by you not really being in tune with God, what God is saying and being dependent on him. Our friends in Zambia, I mean, they really pray this prayer. Josiah will attest. There are people that don't know where they're going to eat that day. They have to depend on God, and God shows up. What if, even though we have this self-sufficiency thing, we have plenty to eat, we decided every day we're going to wake up and say, God, we're totally dependent on you. Because the reality is all of us are skating on thin ice, and we don't even realize it. We all, we all, listen to me, we're one phone call away from the doctor from our life completely coming undone. We're one accident away in your car. You are one situation in your family to have everything stable in your life ripped out from underneath you. And some of you know that from experience. Don't get sucked into this false sense of self-sufficiency. God wants to be there for you, supplying you with all you need in the moment you need it. And we want to partner with you on that. We want to, we, you, you need to be a part of the other that we need to pray for. And so we have prayer cards in the back. And part of the 21-day prayer challenge is we're going to come in the morning and we're going to pray for your needs. And so before you leave, go to the back table. We're going to have cards. You just fill it out, put it in the little offering box, and we are going to just pray spirit-led prayers over whatever needs that you have going on. So it's okay to let God in on what your needs are. 
He wants to meet your needs. And his word declares that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So with these two things in mind, I want to end here, and i got five minutes to end this. I want to talk about the idea that sometimes when you pray for others, or even for yourself, even though you've prayed prayers, it doesn't seem like there's been any heavenly movement for others or for yourself. And I love what Jesus said in Luke 18, when he gives a parable, but he starts off by saying this and says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He, he tells this parable about this persistent widow and you might read it at first read and, and you might be thinking, that's weird. Like, why would Jesus give a parable like that? Is he saying we need to beg God for stuff? And in reality, there are so many radical free agents in our atmosphere. And, and I know this is going to sound like a sci-fi movie for some of you that may just be seeking faith and you may have not really crossed over and surrendered your life to Christ. This, this may sound a little foreign to you, but I will attest to you that the Bible says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and forces of wickedness and darkness in high places. That there are spiritual elements around us that are really creating strongholds against our life. And sometimes it takes more than one prayer in order to see heaven move to earth. Sometimes it takes more than two prayers. Sometimes it takes more than three prayers. And the whole, the whole idea of 21 days of prayer comes from this passage in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel, who was a prophet of God, laid before God. He needed a word from God, and he's, and he's fasting, and he's giving up certain foods, and he's humbling himself, and he's like, God, I need to hear from heaven. And he prays the first day and nothing, second day and nothing. He prays and fasts for 21 days, and on the 24th day, an angel comes and visits him. And the angel says this. The angel says, I, God heard your prayers from day one. I was like, wow, that's amazing. But what was the delay? There was some spirits at work trying to make sure that Daniel did not hear from God. There are spirits working against your life and against the people's lives around you that you love. And sometimes it's going to take persistent prayer in order for you to press through. Later on in Luke 11, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And that literal translation of that verse is to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. And then the promise for us is in verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. I'm telling you, sometimes you are going to have to push in order to see a breakthrough happen for others or for yourself. And you've heard me preach this before if, you're, if you've been coming to Atmosphere for any length of time longer than six months. And, and prayer stands, or push stands for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Because sometimes it doesn't happen on the first pass. You know, we went to San Diego for a vacation on the way back. I, I think I told some of you that we went to downtown Disney because we're a Disney family. And it, we're, we're like coming undone that we haven't been able to go to Disneyland in a little while. Some of us more than others. But, you know, we wanted to go and, and just be in the atmosphere of Disneyland and 
the closest thing we could do is downtown Disney. So we heard the restaurants were open. So we, we go there and we're going by the parking lot and it's coned off and there's police officers there. I was like, oh, that's weird. So we, f- we found another person and said, where are we supposed to park? And they said, oh, in that parking lot. And we said, it's coned off. And they said, oh yeah, that means the parking lot's maxed out and they only allow certain cars in as certain cars leave. But you can go park over there by Cheesecake Factory, which my response to my family was like, hey, that was from the Lord. We're supposed to go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> but they said, no, we really want to go, Dad. Let's go. And so we passed by. The cones were up. And I said, see? They said, well, let's just try it one more time. So we flipped around again, and we're coming back. And we noticed the cones were up. And we got all excited, like, all right, they're letting people in. And so we flipped around to get back on the other side. And by the time we got to the other side, the cones were back up. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Well, Dad, let's try it one more time. So we did around. We went it one more time, and we went around again. The cones were, like, letting cars in. At this point, the unspiritual side of your pastor came out, and I told the police officers, like, what's the deal? Like, why did you? We were just by you. And he was like, sorry, man. It's our orders. We, we couldn't let you do it. And so, so we kept driving. We came back, and the cones were up again. We said, one more time. By this time, I was like, guys, it is not God's will for us to go to downtown Disney. It is God's will to go to Cheesecake Factory. I'm telling you right now. And then my, then my daughter said, well, I'm going to pray. So Kylie prayed. Lord, I pray next time we go by that you will let those cones be up and we could enjoy some downtown Disney. And I said, amen to that. I, I will receive that faith. And so next time we drove around, sure enough, I'm not even kidding you, the cones were up and they ushered us in. I rolled my window down. I was like, thank you guys. Yeah. I felt like I just won the lottery. But it didn't happen on the first pass. It didn't happen on the second pass. It didn't happen on the third pass. It happened on like the fifth pass. And it was after my daughter prayed. I, I tell you, I read a book years ago called The Circle Maker, written by a guy named Mark Batterson, and he talked about the power of just praying persistently over things and, and really drawing a circle around something. Some of you have loved ones that you're like, man, I, I just I want them to know God. And maybe you stop praying for them. Some of you, you have a desperate need in your life, and you're just like, I, I, it's a health issue, it's a family issue. It's just like, I've got to have this need taken care of. And I'm telling you, you are to draw a circle around that, and you are to pray down strongholds, and you are to pray until something happens. And I took this really seriously when I was leading the Vegas campus. We were in this downtown area of Las Vegas, inner city. A lot of gang activity, a lot of, lot, of, lot of poverty. And I just drove around one day on a Saturday as I was praying over my message. And I drove around seven times. By the fifth time, I had no voice left. I was just screaming out prayers. And you know, after that, about two weeks after that, I started seeing God do incredible things with our church there. I started seeing God give us open doors through the police department. We, were, we, we had this adoptive block ministry. We were going door to door, knocking on people's doors. We saw people coming to faith, praying with them right there in their front yard. We even led the mailman in the neighborhood to Christ. It was, it's incredible. We started a food ministry out of the back of our church and God started supernaturally providing all the food where we could provide groceries for the whole neighborhood. From that, we were given an invitation to go to the high school and start ministering to a lot of these high schools that, that really had no dads in their life. They allowed us to preach the gospel on campus right after school was let out. We led 50 students to Christ on a Friday, providing some free hot dogs and shaved ice. And I tell you, 
I don't believe any of that would have been possible if we had not circled up and prayed for God to do big things in that area. Strongholds were broken. And the Spirit of God was poured out on a new level. I'm telling you, prayer is essential business, not just for your faith, but for your life, for your family, for your neighborhood, for your church. If we want to see God bring heaven to earth, it's going to come with us telling God, bringing God into our lives through an active quality prayer life. Would you just stand to your feet? Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. God, as we just end our message, God, I pray a rededication to an active quality prayer life where we would see your kingdom come, your will to be done, for us to be able to have our daily bread. God, move for us as we are moved by you, God. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.